I just think right now, women, especially in business, this is the year of women. I just know that. Life begins at 150 grand a year. Life gets better at 250, and life gets real good at 500. Nobody can tell me differently on it. When you start teaching something, I feel like that's when you start to master the actual art of it. You and I, when we publish a book, we can go toe-to-toe with any of the New York trade publishers, any of the big-time authors, and we get to compete in that marketplace and then let the market decide whether our stuff is good. People forget sometimes as an entrepreneur, the whole damn point of entrepreneurship is to make money. And now here is The Win with your hostess, serial entrepreneur, marketeer, and chief sexy boss. Heather Havenwood. Have you ever wanted to stop the nine to five grind and start your own company? Do you want to have more control of your income and your time? Then now is that moment to start and grow a successful business. As a female entrepreneur, I have succeeded. I have bit the dust. I have bounced back to growth and prosperity. But this would not have been possible without first taking the leap and owning my own business. But I didn't do it alone. I hired my first business coach 13 years ago. And now I help small businesses, solo practitioners, and professionals double their income and triple their time off. So let me help you too. My gift to you today is a free one-on-one strategy session. So go to coachwithheather.com, coachwithheather.com. And let me help you double your income and triple your time off. Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Win with Heather Havenwood. And, you know, about entrepreneurship is about a ton of things. Entrepreneurship is about creativity. Entrepreneurship is about going out there and making money, right? But then entrepreneurs sometimes have a hard time doing this thing called investing their own money, right? Because we're not forced to have a 401k plan. We're not forced to have these conversations like corporate America is. So I'm excited to have my guest on today is Damien Lupo. Damien, are you on the line? I am. It's good to be here, Heather. Thanks for having me. Now, what's so funny about Damien, he's down the street from me. (laughs) Right? So we're both in Austin. We're like half a mile apart and we're doing a video conference, but that's the beauty of online. So let me introduce you to who Damien is, an entrepreneur at heart, first business at age 11, started 30 more since and founder of his own martial art. Okay. I'm going to break that up. Yokito. Got it. Woo. Trademark too. And holder of three black belts. Damien paid for his first rental house with a visa, visa credit card, bought 150 houses in seven states over the next five years, and then went through a $20 million breakdown. Oh, sorry, meltdown. Oh, meltdown in 2008. And a breakdown. Well, you know, you and I kind of had that similarity. I, I went through a meltdown and a breakdown in 2007-8. So. And today he runs an Austin-based fintech dedicated to dis- disrupting Wall Street by getting people off the Wall Street roller coaster and in control of their money and financial future. Damien has written five books, five books with two more being released in 2017. Well, welcome. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Good. So uh, first of all, you and I have a lot in common in 2008. <laughs> right. um, your number was higher than mine. 20 mil. I'm curious because a lot of people was funny. Um, I don't know about your experience with this. When I talk about the bankruptcy, it's like people want to like, let's not talk about that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to talk about that. But there's a lot of juice when you go through something like that. You know, can you talk about that experience for you and what you learned through that experience yeah. of doing that? 
yeah, now I, I love talking about it because it's it's open and and there's yeah. there's not this this fear of hiding or judgment or anything. Um, one of I remember going through it in 2008 and really wanting to pretend it didn't happen for a couple of years, like a lot Me of people too. are still doing. Yeah, well, and and it was funny because in 2010 I was still ignoring the reality. I was I wasn't answering the the question, what is true? Like, what is true? Who am I? And it was it took me getting fired from a, a volunteer position on a U.S. Senate campaign and ignoring it, and pretending I resigned for a while. And I finally went, hey, this is crazy. I've got to just acknowledge the truth about everything, take responsibility. And that's when things started changing. And that's the problem with anybody that's not acknowledging bankruptcy or melting down or the mistakes. You can't fix anything because you got you got to start with yourself. God, that is so true. I, I mean, I'm like, ding, 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 ding. I mean, I think, um, I mean, we're looking at the current presidency now. We're not talking about politics, but he's been through a lot of failure. You know, he's gone bankrupt. And I found I found it interesting, funny that during the election, the, the pre-election part process they were trying to take that as a bad thing he's been through bankruptcy and i'm like that's kind of a good thing because look where he is now you know it's it's not what you went through it's how you overcame it right yeah yeah and 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 i remember the same thing when people were saying oh he's done this and he's had this many things fail and i'm going you guys are idiots you literally have never done anything other than have been a perfect straight a student you don't get what it's like to be in the real world it's easy to criticize and condemn the reality is the people that we look up to have fallen on their face a thousand times and so you do whatever you need to do to make yourself feel better to get the ratings but you're never going to be in that position so just criticize i mean that's that's what you'll always be as a critic I oh, I completely agree. And I, someone told me uh, literally six months after my bankruptcy, I was in tears. I was the same as you. I mean, not the same as you, but for me, I was like, oh my God, I'm a loser. I'm a loser. I'm a loser. Um, and someone said to me, Heather, you've never given yourself permission to fail. And it's only in the moment you give yourself permission to fail, which you will succeed. And we see that currently today. You know, we are with President Trump. You see, because his was so massive. You know, there was a massiveness. I think that a uh, friend of mine, Joe Sugarman, he says, I've, I, yes, I'm successful. He's a multimillionaire, but let me tell you the 15 places I failed. Right. For people, the, and people, people miss that. They, they don't, they don't that. actually see that when they see the success. They don't realize all the times people have fallen down and that they had to get back up. They yeah. just, it, we're so used to seeing these quote unquote overnight success stories for everything. And we think that that's all it was. Somebody just showed up and their genetics created this thing. And it wasn't, it was the perseverance. It was willing to make the mistakes and learn and then grow and get bigger and better. And, and ultimately you pop up and it looks like, wow, that's amazing. So easy. It's not, it's perseverance. It's not easy. And why do you one of the worst things that sounds so bad, but um, when people say they look up to Mark Zuckerberg, I'm like, why? He's never right. fallen ever. He created this in his dorm room and it's like a one hit bajillionaire. I mean, like he's going to write it forever and he'll probably die with Facebook. But think about it. He never failed. He never and, had and a public humiliation. And that's what a lot of people are looking for. They're, they're looking for that next, the dot com thing, the, the next snap or, or whatever it is. And that's a crazy plan. It's, it's crazy. literally like, a, you know, pre- pretending you're going to be a unicorn and, and that's your plan. I'll be a unicorn and then everybody will pay attention to me. Right. Dude, you're not a unicorn. Yeah. It's not real. I, I Zuckerberg is a unicorn. It's just totally he's just one. Even Steve Jobs had more depth. You know what I mean? Even Gates had more depth. He fell flat on his face. (laughs) He got fired from his own damn company. I mean, you're out. Like, wait, I started this thing. I mean, Gates. If you see his story before, he constantly knocked on doors and constantly had the door thrown in his face during the IBM. I mean, you know. So at least some depth to them. I just think that unfortunately the current millennials see Zuckerberg and they're like, oh, that's how it works. 
And I think that's a huge detriment. So I think it's cool. It's like a sister, not sister, but a kindred spirits kind of thing that you've been through that experience. And I'll show you this one thing. I want to see, I want to go into this financial piece, which is, um, I do ever watch that movie, The Short? The Big Short? The Big Short. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Did you like see your life on, on the timeline? I felt it. I mean, when, when being in that thing, and that was one of the, one of the strangest things because that was probably the first time I'd ever watched a movie where I went, Oh my gosh, I remember these moments in time. And I was, I was feeling, I was like living it again. It was crazy. <laughs> I was in the movie theater. I'm like, I remember that. Like a t- uh-huh. big busting me, you know, like tapping down, like, Oh, I remember that day. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, cause they, cause when they do in the movie, they do the timeline. And this was this day in 2006 and seven, eight. I'm like, Oh my God, I remember. Oh my God, I remember that. You know, it was like I was reliving everything. And what's so weird about that movie that kind of gave me this feeling of like, I'm normal kind of is that seeing how many people it affected. Like, it, I, cause where I went was I'm stupid, you know? And it's like, no, it was something way bigger than me. It's, I, I wrote a book in 2012 about this whole thing called Reinvented Life. And it's really, it was, it almost made me a little sad after I wrote it because for me, I wrote it with a buddy of mine to get our stories out there and to part of it was not to just get them out there, but to get them out of us. And because there was so much toxicity that was sitting in there, we needed to get clear on what we'd done, the mistakes we made. And if you really want to own your mistakes and understand what you know, you got to write about it and you put it in front of yourself and you go, whoa. But when, when we did that, I remember sharing this story during our launch and some, I remember some guys walking up to me and going, you know, I didn't realize that other people had gone through this stuff. And I've just been sitting here just like freaking out for the last few years. And I went, wow, no, man, you're not alone. Like we, a lot of people went out there and, and we, we pushed it. We did things. We took action. We didn't just hide and, and cower away. We really went out there and you know what? You're not alone. So good for you for going out there and, and realize that you're part of a tribe of people that are making, making things happen. And we don't always hit it, but we are hitting it hard. So mm-hmm. just, you know, just know you're not alone. You're not alone in the failures and successes. It's not just about successes. So let's talk about what you do now. So by the way, I wanted to ask you during that time, you bought a lot of houses. Where, where were you in Nevada, Florida? Where were you? Okay, what question is where was I not? I mean, yeah. I, the funny part is those are the two places I think I was not. I was in seven different states, Arizona, okay. Alabama, North Carolina, Maine. I, that was what one of my bazillion mistakes was being all over the place. And the truth is yeah. we can make our wealth, if it's, if we're talking financial wealth, we can make a billion dollars in our backyard and people think that you have to go somewhere else to do it. You don't, you have to be focused. And, and I thought, well, I'm going to take over the country pre Trump. I was thinking I was going to be the next Trump. And just in terms of being a, a dominant, you know, real estate tycoon. So I figured I might as well just take over the country. And that was my ego talking. It didn't need to happen, but that's what I thought needed to happen because of the lack of experience. Yeah. Someone interviewed me yesterday. I'm curious what you think of this. Someone interviewed me the other day and asked me about my real estate um, investing. I'm getting back into it myself. Just, and I said, it's really boring. Now when I invest, it's, it's simple. It's boring. It's conservative. It's consistent. It's very, it's no like, you know, so I'm curious now what you teach because that's where my mindset is. I feel like I'm an old grandpa now, like got the life insurance, honey, you know, but I feel, I feel the one, the, the, the investors, the few investors I did see that were able to sustain and were able to go through that huge dip. They, you know, Trump was one of them too. I mean, during that time of the dip, he bought crap little real estate like good for him man you know he was one of the few left that had the money to do it but ones that were consistent they're the ones who were just consistent they were just nice and easy you know 
I, yeah, the, I, the more I think about that, the people that were that went through that thing and did really well were not the ones that were going through a cycle for the first time. Right. I don't actually know anybody that started off like when when we did before that in the early 2000s without a cycle behind them, without the intellectual, emotional and spiritual experience. Having go, gone into that, we went blind. And so we got hurt. And for there were there were billions made right after the crash where people were able to pick things up. The, the way that they were doing that is they weren't stuck freaking out trying to figure themselves out and for a lot of us we were stalled out because we lost our confidence by being kicked in the in the head and people that had gone through the cycles before Mm -hmm. either they didn't get clobbered or they got clobbered and they didn't tie their self-worth and net worth together so they weren't stuck for the next few years and that's when the opportunities were and that's when we'll see opportunities that are epic again when the next cycle happens so if you're in the middle of the bling and the bliss and the happy and everything works out right now Next time this thing crashes, the opportunities will be there, but you won't be ready because you'll be nursing your wounds. And that's the big problem. It's the loss of confidence when there's really the opportunity right in front of you. You know, and I, the, again, during the election night, there was a lot, again, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of talk, right? And I remember there was somebody, Elizabeth Warren, I think was like, he's a horrible person during the time when everyone was down. He was buying real estate. I'm like, he's smart. Smart. (laughs) I wish. I had that. I was, I was over there licking my wounds. Like, I don't have right. anything to buy, you know? So he was the one going, Oh, this is nice. <laughs> you know, like he was just smart. So I just thought to myself, how in the heck are you spinning that as a negative? I don't know. The fact that he didn't get pulled into that is the fact that he's been, he's a, um, you know, he's an investor, been around a while. Like he said, he's had other cycles, you know what I mean? Behind him. Mm-hmm. So what do you teach? I mean, now that you went through that process, what what's your philosophy now? What do you teach entrepreneurs? I think there's something really um, juicy here that entrepreneurship, first, I think it's a journey. I don't think it's a destination. That's my view. And then I also think that we're not taught, well, we're not taught in school anyway on how to be, um, you know, intellectual on money anyway. So then you deal with entrepreneurship land and it's even like sometimes worse. So you know what what's your philosophy that you teach now what's like the the simple piece of that what, what what's your philosophy if it was boiled down to one word it'd be mastery and so we the the work that i've been doing is is really kind of in parallel runs in parallel with all of the work i've done in martial arts it's all about mastery you don't just learn some technique in martial arts and you get a black belt and you're done it, it's really a process that you're going deeper and deeper into yourself it's the same thing with investing or entrepreneurship you keep growing and you keep doing things and so what what i'm teaching with people is to f- help them get past wherever they're stuck and oftentimes it's stuck right where they are where they're starting they don't have a clue where to even go and so we start figuring out what the the belief systems that are blocking them are and really moving past that into action and it's simple action because people if they're afraid that they're going to make a mistake and it's going to hurt we avoid pain and so typically with with investing there's only two things that are that are really this intense it's money and it's sex those two things we don't talk about we want to avoid pain we just we pretend they don't exist for some reason and yet they drive damn near everything we are and do so we ask we ask tough questions. When I work with people, it is not a pleasant conversation oftentimes because we're digging into root belief systems and asking what's true. What are you really doing? What are you really all about? What are you really afraid of? And a lot of people are just hunkered down with the belief systems that they they were embedded with from when they were kids. And like for example, people think I'm supposed to store money in a 401k and invest in, in a mutual fund and I invest for the long term. Warren Buffett tells me to. And I go wait a second, Warren Buffett trades the market. He sells options. So you're telling me that he's telling you one thing, you're going to buy into it and you're not actually going to do what he actually does. 
So we just we start un, undoing all these belief systems that people have that are keeping them stuck in this bondage and this roller coaster that they're on in, in Wall Street. So what's so that's awesome. I love that. That's more of the mindset and the belief system. But there's a is there a particular thing that you teach, like how to do stocks, or are you? Yeah, you know, what, what, what I do t- technically is is I, I get people out of the the Wall Street system, and basically okay. what that means is we're exiting the four hundred one ks and the IRAs, yeah. and we're we're putting people's money in their hands. And this comes back to the values that drive my company and me personally, which is self responsibility. So if your money, if your retirement money is in your hands, you can't be a blamer, you can't be a victim, you can't right. be pointing the finger because the fingers go right back to you. And so ultimately, we shift people's money from their all these retirement accounts where they're mm-hmm. trapped and into their own checking account. Sometimes people have heard of things like self-directed IRAs where you get more control. We've got something that's a thousand times better. Literally, it's 10 times better than an IRA. Mm-hmm. It's called the QRP. And that's where you've got this checkbook control and you've got all these options on basically anything you can imagine. And then you start figuring out what fits you. So that might be real estate. It might be precious metals. It could be private equity. It could be a, a Jimmy John's sandwich shop. I don't know that the, the actual investing, the thing isn't as important as, as the thinker and, and who is, who's driving this thing. We just give you all the options and you're not stuck anymore. So you're not getting feed to death and you're not getting stuck in something that doesn't make sense for you anymore. Okay. So a couple of things, is it be your own banker? I've never heard of KRP or the, the QRP is the qualified retirement plan. It's, um, it's, it was built back in the early seventies and it's what, it's what governs the 401ks. This yeah. is just a different version where you, you're actually in control. So you're not stuck with a broker telling you, Hey, just hang tight. Come back to me in forty years. Yeah. You literally have a checkbook with your with your money. It's not the be the. I think you may be, be talking about banking on yourself. Yeah. Like, yeah. No. This this is not insurance. I have a huge problem with with the insurance industry because they get they basically make a ton of money off of people off, off their fears. And what we do is we give people and we teach them the confidence so that the fears start to go away and they can actually move forward. And they're not happy with one or two or 3%, which is what bank on yourself and those type of insurance things are all about. Few percent and you're safe and no, no roller coaster. I think that's BS. How are you going to ever do anything with your life making three or 3%? You're not going to get anywhere. No, no, not when credit cards are taking 18 and 20, 22%. That's right. <laughs> okay. So. QRP. Now I'm assuming just go down details for a second. What does that mean exactly? Is that a, are they not, it's already money that's been taxed or 401k maybe it hasn't pre or no. I mean, what is it a pre-tax post-tax? It, it's actually either one. So what okay. in, in the, in the retirement vehicle space in 401ks and IRAs, you've got pre-tax tax deferred money and you've got Roth, which means okay. it gets taxed now. And then as it grows and as you take it out, there's no tax. Mm-hmm. So with the QRP, you've, you've got those same options. You can defer taxes or you can, you can pay the taxes now. I, I like the idea of paying taxes now and then down the road, whatever tax rates are, I don't care. And there's this, this myth that people are, that's propagated through the system where people say, Hey, you should defer your taxes because you're going to be in a lower tax bracket later because you're not going to spend anything. And I go, why would I want to plan to be poor when I'm 60 years old? That's the stupidest thing to keep me small. If you're thinking big, if you're planning on being rich, that's a mm-hmm. dumb plan. So I like the Roth where you can, you can plan on paying no taxes down the road. And then, so is this, is this kind of, I'm just putting words in out there and just let me know if I'm on the right track. Is this like a, I'm using the word self-directed Roth 
where one, you can, it's pre-tax dollars. I'm sorry, it's tax dollars. And then I can go and buy whatever. I can buy real estate or maybe another business or a franchise, something like that. Is that the concept? I want people to understand the concept. Yeah. It's, it's so at, at its core, it's, it's self-directed. You get to choose where things go and yeah. you're using the 401k rules. So these are, these are rules that are really, really clean and, and they've been around for 40 years. So you're, you're able to take this money in this, in this type of account, the qualified account, which a 401k is a qualified account, but it's different because you get to go out there and you get to choose what you write your check for, whether it's real estate or, or something else. The neat thing about the qualified retirement plan, especially with real estate, is that you're able to buy real estate and use leverage. You can use debt and that's cool. The, here's the, the the wild thing. Most people are buying real estate with their self-directed IRAs right. and they don't realize they're getting taxed up to 40% on their gains that are attributable to the debt. This is a huge problem because if you use debt to buy real estate, which is one of the best parts about real estate, you're you're going to get killed with the taxes in a tax deferred vehicle. In the QRP, there's no tax. It's, so let's, it's let's the, break it down for people when you say yeah. buy real estate with debt. Mm-hmm. Explain that. So let's let's do an example. So you have a hundred thousand yeah. dollar house, and and you want to buy you want to buy uh, that property with your IRA, and you have ten thousand dollars in your IRA. Okay. So you take out a ninety thousand dollar mortgage, and and then the property doubles to two hundred thousand. So you made a hundred thousand dollars on the whole deal, mm-hmm. and now because ninety percent of your purchase was with debt, you with your mortgage, ninety percent of that profit, the hundred thousand you just made you have to pay taxes on, it's going to be about 40% tax. If you did that with your QRP and you did the same exact debt, same $10,000 in cash that you invested, no tax. That's pretty awesome. Can people do this like buy franchises or buy businesses? Can they do that? You can totally buy businesses. You can buy franchises. You've got, there's a limited number of things that you can't do that the IRS says can't do A, B, C, D. And that's basically it. You can't do those things and and you can do anything else you can dream up as long as it's not with a disqualified person like your kid or your parent or your spouse. But beyond that, it's really wide open. Wow. That's, um, I mean, I'm very familiar with self-directed IRAs. I'm very familiar with that. So are you, uh, so tell us about your philosophy. Do people work with you one-on-one or how do they work with you? Yeah, there's there's two things that people work with us on. Okay. Typically, we 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 get their vehicle. You can think of us as the the we're, we're like the Tesla of of retirement plans. We yeah. basically build the car and then you go drive it. And if you want to put it on autopilot with with real estate or whatever it is, great. But you're you're in charge of driving your car, mm-hmm. and and so we're there. We're you can think of us as your co-pilot. So we're in the in the passenger seat and we're guiding you. If you want to talk with us, we're here. We've got people that are actually doing things. We're buying real estate. We're buying businesses. We've done this. We're not just thinking about doing it. We're not just saying, Hey, yeah, we're in the middle of it. Cause we started last month. We've yeah. been doing it for decades. And so you've got this experience that's right next to you the entire way through. If you want to tap into it, it's there. If you don't, you're totally on your own. I mean, you can do whatever you want. So there's a relationship that continues. And that's one of our six values is relationship. We're right there with you the entire time. So let's talk about business model because I, I really love that. It's very interesting to me. And I know that people listening going, wow, this is new for me. I've never heard it before. I mean, first of all, self-directed IRAs in general, um, most people in America don't even know what that is because their brokers don't want to talk about it. Okay. So no, now you're talking about not. even something else that I would say probably point, 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 one, oh, oh, one percent of the people understand. So I want to talk business model because I think, um, no, people know the business model of brokers, right? We put money in, they take their little fees and all that good stuff. Uh, Wall Street, we understand that business model. When we deal with self-directed IRAs, 
Um, that business model is pretty clear in what they do there too. So what is your business model? Like, how does that work? Because people are listening. Well, if I give him 100,000 QRP, like, is he a fees? How does that work? You know, that's where they're, for me, that's where my mind's going. How does, how, how does that work? Are you guys like a consulting brokerage? No, Heather, it's a great question because that's, and that's one of the first questions you should always ask anybody that's saying, Hey, we're an advisor. Yeah. The question is, what are you selling me? Right. And how much is, how much are you going to charge? I mean, that's great that I'm making money, but we have to, we have to understand that there's a sales pitch and we, we are not a nonprofit. So we, we charge a fee to set the plan up okay. and then we have a fixed fee, 300 bucks a year going forward to be your your co-pilot and you can use this or not so that keeps awesome. it very clean an advisor is typically looking for two or three percent in reality that's typically what they're making yeah on your assets every single year so you don't give us your money you you, you have a hundred thousand or a hundred dollars it doesn't make any difference you're in charge of that money you don't give it to us that's it's a different model and most people don't like this model because they would prefer to build up an asset base as an advisor with a hundred million dollars mm-hmm. charge two or three percent a year and be able to just cruise. I mean, that is a very good model for the advisor. It is a terrible model for people. Yes. And it doesn't work for them. You know, I was, um, I don't know if you know this about me, but I was an American Express financial advisor. I, um, I worked Ooh. for them. <laughs> I was like 18, 19, 20. I was in college and I got basically, you know, um, assistant role or whatever. And basically what I ended up doing, I was the one doing the cold calling to try to book the appointments. And then you got the person in, right? You got them in, you get that got them to say yes to some stupid plan for $200 or whatever it was. And then they would, the advisor, (laughs) give me the data. I'm like 19. Like what I know, right? I'm 19. I enter in all this information, blah, 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 on some computer. And I press print and they put it in this big fat binder and looks all pretty and stuff. And then the advisor who's never even looked at the plan until they walk in the door, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Oh, Mr. We're so excited to talk to you about your plan. And they, pull it. And then this is the first time they look at it. And the guy that I was working for the advisor was like one of the number ones in, in North Texas. Like the guy was rocking it. Right. And I realized this is a sales pitch. And the the thing that I never understood the industry, and it was, it was still weird to me even saying it when they say products, because like to me, this is a product. A, a mutual fund shouldn't be a product. You know what I mean? Like here's mutual funds. It sounds like weird. And, but I feel like that's what the advisory rule says to kind of put them arm's length. Well, I'm just selling you a product. I don't know if it's going to work. Ah, it'll work. You know, they're just looking at the benefits. And meanwhile, this is their per- this is a person's life. <laughs> you know, and so I think I never really liked that word products. And then I was 22 and they asked me to be a financial advisor. I'm like, 22. I don't know crap about this stuff. So, um I found out that it was just a it's a sales game. It was just an, you know, it's just a numbers game. Uh so I I I'm very interested more into people that are really interested in helping me um, lower taxes, right? Actually create businesses, uh, real estate, different things, self-directed IRA, stuff like that. So that's what I hear what's unique about your company. It, it it is, and and when we just when you when you mentioned the word product, I was thinking what other what other, what other word with a P would make the most sense when you're sitting there across from the quote unquote advisor? And really, what you should be realizing it's a pitch. It's a pitch to sell you something by somebody that knows how to pitch their goods from their firm. I mean, when I sold insurance 20 years ago, I had my, and I was like you, I was 19, 20 years old. 
I, and I'm, I'm helping people structure their insurance, structure their financial stuff. And I can speak all this googly gook and I can say these expensive words and people would follow along because I basically confused them. Right. And it wasn't because I was trying to screw them. It, it was because that was our pitch. It was, hey, this is too complex. Just trust me. I've got a nice suit on and I'm very smart and you're just not that smart. That's what the industry tries to, to force feed people that they're not smart enough. And I, it is BS. Everybody is smart enough if they've got the will and the commitment to make their own stuff happen, but we're just beaten down by the system, and the system wins every time. It does win every by, time. You know, the house wins, right? The house, the house wins. Oh, it's a casino. It's I mean, when casino. you think about it, it totally is a casino. 80% of the profits in the in, in Wall Street with mutual funds mm-hmm. go to the house. They go to the brokerage firms over a period of, of time where you're investing. You get 20%. So if there's profits, you get 20%. They get 80 You take on all the risk. That sounds like a casino to me. That's and by the way, that's John Bogle, the founder of Vanguard. That's his quote. It's on the front of our website. He said that. That wasn't even me. Wow. Well, it's true. I mean, the the moment I learned that, the what I call the dirty way, meaning I was worked for the company, um, <laughs> I pulled everything out of mutual funds, and I never, I don't do it anymore. You know, what I mean, I'd rather have the cash to buy a business or cash. So, um, interesting. So, what do you? So do okay. So, can you do any case studies? Do you have any case studies or? Yeah, yeah. So okay. let me give you a, a great one. I've I've got one of one of my favorite people ever. Uh, I've been working with them for about two and a half years. And when they first came in, they said, "Hey, we've got our we've got IRAs, we've got four hundred one ks, and we've got our cash, and we just we just sold a house. We've got a, a million and a half, and we're freaking terrified because our money's sitting in Wall Street. It's on a it's in a mutual fund, and every day we're we're watching we're watching the news, and we see these arrows. We see this green arrow that says the market did up, did good." See a red arrow, market went down. And every day there's this anxiety. Like, oh are we gonna have a wealth call? It's like and fear, I, fear, I, fear. It was it was crazy and I could feel it with them. I could feel it in this conversation. And I said, Well, what do you want to do? And they said, We want to get off this thing. And I said, Okay, well, then great, let's do that. And so we we spent the next few months just understanding what the plan was gonna be. What yeah. did they want to do? What did they really want to get to? They didn't want a pile of money, they didn't want two or three million versus a million and a half. They wanted to know that their expenses, their lifestyle was going to be sustained and they wanted to be in control of it. Yeah. So the, the first decision that they made was to get out of Wall Street. They, they literally sold their stuff and said, okay, it's in cash. Now we don't care what happens in the market. And the second mm-hmm. thing that happened, they had this IRA and 401k money and they're stuck and they said, well, what do we do with that? Because we want to invest it. And I said, great, you can use a QRP. Now they've got this checkbook and they can go and invest. And then they said, well, now what do we invest in? And I said, I don't know. What? Well, let's figure out what works for you. And what made sense to them was to create residual off of real estate stuff and by lending money out, being a bank. Because we know that mm-hmm. banks make money because their their names are on all these buildings in every city in the world. So I said, why don't you become the bank? How does that sound? And so they started doing hard money lending with their 401k money inside the QRP. And every month they're getting checks now and they literally leave. They go to Europe or something. And I, in fact, I was in Europe with them and I said, Hey, did you see what happened in the markets yesterday? And they said, no, we don't really care. And I said, drop 500 points. And they said, yeah, but we're out of it. What it doesn't matter to us. And that was the shift. They no longer cared what happened in the, in the markets. They didn't care what happened in the presidential election. It wasn't like Trump or Hillary was going to save them. They were in control and they knew that they were writing their own future, that they didn't have somebody else determining it. It was a huge shift and their wow. level of peace, epic. 
totally, oh, huge totally epic piece there. I mean, that's just feeling that. I mean, yeah. you know, that's a that's that's awesome. I love that. And that's if people hear like what's hard money, I'll just give you a little clue into hard money lending is basically saying you don't have to go to the bank to get a mortgage. I'll be your mortgage, right? So I'm going to lend you the money and we'll create a contract just like that. And then you pay me every single month with a set fee, right? The cool thing about that is you get to set the fee, right? The percentage, the you get to set that now, <clears throat> right? And so um, some people use hard money loans for bridge loan. They call them bridge loans where you just need it for rehab, stuff like that. So I think it's really powerful. Um, I think I, I also love the fact that more people are doing that because when more people understand hard money lending... And they do that. That actually helps the investors. That helps the entire community to be able to move things. Because lots of times bankers, they get really restrictive. One, they have a lot of rules. But two, they just get restrictive. And bankers know nothing about money. Nothing. Banker, bankers have banker brains. And you, yeah. and you talk to them and they have their rules set and they have their fears they have and their this anxieties. Little box. It's, it's a narrow. very small box. This box. Super small like, box. If you don't fit in this tiny little right. box, they don't want anything to do with you and they think you're an idiot. I mean, I've been there. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's crazy because of uh, Dodd Frank and the the Patriot Act and all these regulations that have happened. Even if you've got a creative banker, and I, I've had some really great bankers that were a lot smarter than most boneheads, quite frankly, and they go, "I'd love to do this, but I can't. The regulations will not allow me to do this." Which is why the shadow banking, which is the hard money, the stuff outside of the right. traditional banking, why that's exploding, and the mm-hmm. banks are, are are frustrated because they. They're trying to figure out how to compete with shadow banking with all the alternatives. And what their answer is, let's have more regulation. That way it'll force the shadow banking activities to be squashed and we can continue to make money. But people are creative and the entrepreneurs out there are finding solutions to disrupt that thing, which I love so much. That's awesome. I love that. In fact, I just talked to someone today who's a a client and she said, I I gave her so much credit for doing this. She literally went to five banks um, and here, I think locally in Austin, central Texas and gave the business plan that did the whole thing. And uh, they said, "Uh uh uh-huh, uh-huh. We're, I, yeah, we need collateral. We need your house. She's like, I don't want to do my, I don't want to put my house up. Well, bye. You know, and she was very frustrated. And I tried to explain to her, I'm like, they have this little tiny box. And if you don't fit in this box, they don't, literally bankers are told, especially ones in local office, they're told this is how it works. And if you don't go to this box, you got to tell them no. And they're just told that. And they, they view, they view credit cards and loans as products. It's a product. It's not to help people. It's not a vehicle. It's a product. And if you think of that way, you can see the, the dynamic. And then, you know, also I finally, I got an opportunity to meet, um, some, one of the 12, I call it the 12 of the, um, Federal Reserve. <laughs> that was an interesting story. So there's 12, you know, there's, there's 12 banks, the Federal Reserve, and then there's Janet Yellen, who's the top and the chairman. And by the way, the Federal Reserve is not owned by the government. It's, third party and they have no reserves yeah yeah, exactly so it's not owned by the government okay so um and i'm sitting here talking to this guy he's one of the they call him presidents so um so you're talking to this guy and i'm asking all these crazy questions and i started to realize right then um like that little voice in my head of like you know you're talking to the to one of the 12 people in the country that are running the country and the money (laughs) Right. And uh, the the Washington and the White House and even Wall Street really doesn't control it like they do. <laughs> so if you think of it that way, when you put your money into Wall Street and you're just hoping and praying, um, you're really are putting your money with people you don't know 
and you don't know their agenda and you don't know where they're really taking things. But when you're putting your money with yourself and things that you really um, know and can feel strong about, I think that's where the peace of mind comes in. It, it is. You're, you're, you're never going to feel totally peaceful until you build that confidence that you can do it and you are doing it. And it's, if you think that hope and praying that your money is going to grow, you're literally smoking hopium. That is the stupidest plan that people have been kind into doing. Hey, I'm just going to take another drag of this hope and it'll all work out. That is nuts. You have no control over that. It's all about having control. And and that's basically building your confidence muscle. Nothing. That's the the place where people should be investing their time and their money is developing that confidence. It's not just throwing money out there and hoping it works. That's crazy. Okay. So let's someone who's listening. They're like, wow, that's a great story about your client. But um, I didn't sell a property for that has 1.2. So I'm starting with you know, a little bit of savings here and there. How can I have a different mindset of money? I don't know where to start investing. Do I invest? Where do I go? What do I do? I want to work with you, but I, I'm not going to walk in the door with a million dollars with you. Like, what would you say to them? I, I think the the person that the people that are listening to this right now are doing the right thing. They're starting. They're they're immersing in in this stuff, in the information, yeah. in the psychology, the right place. the The worst thing to do is to spend time with people that you've spent time with that are not speaking this game, because part of this is just becoming it, and you become it by absorbing the people around you. So you have to. The first place I tell people to start is figure out who's who's around you. And, and then you can start to understand why you are the way that you yeah. are. And, and if you want to switch things, start to change the influences. And it's, it's what you study. It's not necessarily that you go buy something, a piece of property or something. That's not necessarily what you need to do. You don't need to flip something or make a million dollars to come in and start to shift. It's, it's simply going down a different path. And that starts with the, the stuff that you're putting in your brain. And mm-hmm. the, you start there. And then the, the thing that I missed that I completely blew when, when I first started is I, I, my ego got so excited when I started making money that I felt like I didn't need to listen to people. And if you want to shortcut all, a lot of the mistakes and a lot of the pain, you have somebody with you. You hire somebody that's, that's going to coach you. And there are so many great people out there right now that will simply hold you accountable, ask you questions and allow you to get past your own stuff, your own yeah. anxieties. Doing that. Surrounding yourself with the right people and getting somebody that's going to hold you accountable, that's a pro, not your cousin, not your spouse, but somebody that's actually a pro because you'll pay attention to what you pay for. And if you're paying for people to hold space and ask you questions, you're going to accelerate through a process that took me two decades. So someone says, great, what, what, what do I, where do I start reading? I mean, do I, what, what do I not read? Because <laughs> there's a lot out there. If you put in the word finance and, and Amazon, it's, it's nuts, right? So yeah, it, the the place that I I I tell people this same same thing every time is go out and look for for people that have actually done things. Listen to the ones that have done it. Don't listen yeah. to people that have just that are just talking about it that happen to be really smart. And yeah. I like I heard somebody talking on a show one time, and and I I point blank asked him. I said, so when did you start investing in real estate? And he seemed like a nice guy. He goes, well, I started my portfolio in 2011. I go, literally, dude, you're you're 60 years old, and you're telling me that you know what you're talking about. You don't have a clue about cycles. I want somebody that's been around for 15 or 20 years that's actually gone through it. That's who I'm going to pay for pay to play, if you will. And it's mm-hmm. you get that person. There's not that many people. There are those people are out there. That's who I recommend you go find. It's right. not just somebody that talks a big game, somebody that's been in the game. Yeah. No, I know I actually know some people that um that have been around. You know what I mean? Like there's about mm-hmm. two or three in my in my head right now that I know that if I if I was, someone asked me where to go, I'd be like, go to them. Why? Because they were there at 
back in 99 and they're still here. Right? And they're still the, Those are the people that that smell stuff. They right. they, they have right. this almost like x-ray vision of yeah. what's going on and it's not a well I'm not really sure what to do. I can tell you what's happening. I can smell it. I right. know what this is like cuz right. I've been through the pain. It's I've got scar tissue that make people cry. And so you 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 want that x-ray vision. You don't want people figuring it out with you. You want them to say I can see what's going to happen in 6 or 12 months. I know where you're going with this deal. I can sense this deal is bad mm. and they can tell you why. I mean that's that's who you want on your team. This is not a solo event if it is you're gonna get killed you are i mean so i remember living in orlando right and um looking at downtown orlando and looking there's like 15 cranes or 10 or 15 cranes at any time building and Mm -hmm. i look at austin right now and same thing (laughs) thing right it's been like that for like three years every time i turn around there's like 13 10. I mean, I, I make like a note of it when I go around I-35 in Barton Springs. I'm like, one, two, three. I start counting, right? And I'm like, there's 13, there's 12, there's 11, there's 10, Rady Street, one, two, three, four. Yeah. And, you know, and I have a friend of mine, there's a dear friend of mine down the street who's, he's older, he's in his 60s and he's, he's been in Austin for years and he's seen all the cycles and he goes, oh, do you have any, do you have any, see any cranes are in downtown? I'm like, yeah, now there's like 10 or 13. He goes, yep, that's a sign. You know what I mean? So you have to be willing to, be smart and not act like you're 21 and act like, Oh, this will, this, this will go forever. And seeing that things go up 25 and 25%, 25%, 25% every single year can't sustain. Right. So I think you'd be smart about it. I love what you're doing. Where can people find you? If they're like, I love this year rock. How can I work with this guy? Where can they go? Fastest place to get to me is DamienLupo.com. That's Ooh. that's where you're going to be able to connect with me immediately, whether it's social media or just directly and, and see my writings. And then the stuff that we're talking about with the QRP yeah. is at TotalControlFinancial.com. That's the the company, the philosophy, the team. If that resonates, it's not hard to get a hold of me. I've got people that pop up and and will say hi on LinkedIn, and I've got a question. And it's that's one of the coolest things where I would never meet these people, and and they they've become friends, and yeah. it's it's. Knowing that I, I didn't have this access 20 years ago, there wasn't there wasn't the LinkedIn and the Facebook and all that stuff, mm-hmm. and so I'm just kind of bouncing around by myself in the in the ocean. And now people can say I have no idea what to do, and you know what? Reach out because I'm actually going to reach back out to you. I'm not going to just blow you off. I, I I've been there, and and it's it's part of me wanting to connect with people that I know I was once. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were around when there was no Twitter and there was no Facebook. <laughs> You know what, people? That was a day. There was a moment. The old days. The old day. The back in the day. <laughs> the like <laughs> the old recordings, the VCR days. No, it wasn't that bad. Oh boy. Oh, uh, it wasn't that that back, but it feels like it has been. I mean, my first Facebook account was two thousand seven. My Twitter account was like two thousand seven or eight as well. So uh, anyway, I just think it's funny that you know it's, like, it's old school. <laughs> uh, you're We've so, been around. I know. I'm not even 50. I might be close to that. I barely hit 40. I'm like, well, how am I old? What did that happen? Anyway. So thank you so much. I want to make sure everyone knows how to spell your name. It's D-A-M-I-O-N-L-U-P-O.com or go check them out at totalcontrolfinancial.com or damianlupo.com. Damien, thank you so much for being here on the win and sharing, uh, sharing with basically entrepreneurs on how they can actually get control of their money versus just giving it over to wall street it's been awesome thanks heather it's i really appreciate you having me you're welcome all right this is heather havenwood with the win you go to heatherhavenwood.com forward slash podcast check me out also at h havenwood on twitter talk to you soon 
Are you frustrated by the weight you can't lose? One sneaky ingredient goes by 61 different names and isn't required on food labels, but it could be causing those stubborn pounds to stay stuck. That extra weight is not your fault. A new report, The Hidden Culprit Sabotaging Your Weight Loss, is available now at heathercleanliver.com, reveals this ingredient and how it's preventing you from losing weight. If you're struggling and you want to break free from dieting misery, visit heathercleanliver.com right away and get your free report. It's an eye-opener. What you don't know could be hurting you. The extra weight is not your fault. Visit heathercleanliver.com. Thank you for listening to The Win with Heather Havenwood. Interested in coaching with Heather? Go to heatherhavenwood.com and sign up for a business discovery consultation. Here is your free gift for listening. Get three audio chapters of Heather's book, Sexy Boss, How Women Empowerment is Changing the Rulebook, when you text the word sexy to 7200. Again, text the word sexy, that is S-E-X-Y, to 7200, and receive your three audiobook chapters. Number is good only in North America. This is a Sexy Boss Wrap. This podcast is a copyright of Havenwood Worldwide, LLC.